Hi, I'm Thomas Darv, the host of Talent Acquisition Matters. By creating this podcast, I want to share best practice, learn, develop and listen to some of the most innovative minds in the talent world. I'll be interviewing talent acquisition leaders and suppliers to understand more about some key topics like personal branding, the new world of talent attraction, candidate experience, the power of feedback, defining the perfect process, onboarding talent with impact and the art of retaining the best to attract the best. I hope you enjoy and let me know if you'd like to join me as a guest. Hello and welcome back to uh, Talent Acquisition Matters with me, Tom Dove, founder of Fraser Dove International, the life sciences talent consultancy. So on this episode, we've got a wealth of talent acquisition experience in today's guest from large pharma to scale up CAR T cell therapy companies. Today's guest has helped develop TA strategies to solve some of the industry's most complex challenges. So today's guest is Bali Chima from Pinnacle Talent. Hi, how are you doing? Yeah, very well, thanks. Thanks, Tom. How are you? Um, yeah, appreciate I... the uh, invite. So it's been uh, it's been, been been well worth the wait. Yeah, great. Yeah. So, um, Bali, please could you just take a moment to introduce yourself to our listeners? Of course. So, um, like you rightly said, Tom, my background is uh, predominantly within the life science sector, and it's it's always been um, internal talent, um, resourcing manager, head of talent within sort of uh, most of the TA functions. Um, gene therapy, I've worked for um, some of the major gene therapy players within the UK. So you're looking at Autolus, you're looking at Ori Biotech, uh, Salon Gene Therapy, Catapult, and some of the more a wider pharma companies that you uh, may have heard of who have a gene therapy branch. So Novartis yep. had a stint with Novartis as well. Um, and predominantly it's been looking after the whole piece of talent. So I would I would do their whole recruitment piece, um, look after their internal processes, improve their internal processes, re, re, uh, introduce new processes, but also the relationship management internally with internal stakeholders and external stakeholders like yourself as well. Um, and hopefully to, to bring a better outcome in terms of bringing the best talent globally um, across the sector. Yeah, cool. Because you and I have had some conversations in the past. And, you know, what I've really enjoyed when we've spoken is honesty, clarity and your kind of philosophy on talent. So, you know, there are lots of complexities for the different size companies you've worked with and for, you know, the likes of Novartis with hundreds of thousands of employees to then a company with 10, 15, 20. Um, so one of the first questions that I wanted to ask is around the complexities of, of talent attraction. Um, and for super niche companies, you know, how do you feel it's best to take a company brand to the to the talent market? I think it's a great question, by the way. I think it's important that you stand out from um, the marketplace, make yourself um give yourself a competitive advantage, you know, ensure that you do something different, whether that's in your preparation, whether that's in your strategy, um, have a good business model. It's important that you do have a strategy. So a lot of companies that I've worked for have been early investment. Yeah, okay. You know, a lot of sort of Series A, Series B, Series C funding, where investors have gone in and plowed a lot of money into companies because they like the product, like the idea. But, you know, also, you need to have a strategy to think about the three to five year exit plan. So yep. you're talking about, are, are we going to IPO? Are we going to, uh, you know, when our equity goes up, how, how are we going to develop our market strategy, market penetration? Um, but all of that's linked, of course, to attracting the right sort of people. 
um, recruiting the right sort of talent, investing uh, at the right time. So um, all of those things are important about a company being able to promote themselves. The thing is, Tom, there are so many companies in this area. There is a massive explosion at the moment within startup, biotechs, gene therapy, uh, innovative technologies, innovative platforms. So who's the next round of funding? Who's the next company? Who's the next big thing? So what you've got to look for is, I guess, if I had my investment hat on, which which I, I don't, but you know, if I did, it would be, What's the strategy? What's the strategy for manufacturing? What's the strategy for recruitment? How are we going to get the best talent? Who, who do I want as my COO? Who does I want, want, want as my CEO? You know, do I need a mixture of people from life sciences? Do I need a mixture of people from technology? Is it business related? So all of those things, I think from talking to a few investment companies, I did a bit of work with a, a venture capitalist company and all of those things go into play when they, when they invest in companies. Yeah. It's not just, uh, you know, a straightforward business decision. It's, you know, it's probably an algorithm that they use. It's quite complex. Yeah. Um, but they don't know what they're doing because they, they want to see a return on their investment. So I think, yeah, just to reiterate, it's important to stand out. It's important to have a good strategy. It's important to have a good business plan. And social media is is very important. I think, you know, things like uh, messages that go through um, your website, uh, LinkedIn, and you have to be careful of which social media platforms you use, of course. Yeah. I think they have to be appropriate and suitable for your business. Uh, many more are using Twitter, obviously, and Instagram and that sort of thing. Um, but it needs to be suitable. The message and the tone needs to be good. And that's why people like, you know, the CMOs, the head of marketing are so important about getting that message across, understanding the business, the constraints, the challenges, and being able to communicate that really well. Yeah, because I think, you know, in a, in a world that we that we work with in this life sciences space, you know, it is very purpose driven. And you don't want to kind of become one of many really purpose driven companies that can't cut through the noise. So I think mm. from a you, you hit the nail on the head there with the CMO and the marketing piece. I think it's great for the um, actual brand, the business, the products, all those kind of things. But also they need to dedicate enough time to bringing talent towards their business too. Um, and what we what we started to see is some of the, the best um, companies within this kind of scale-up space are doing things like, I don't know, talent acquisition podcasts or, you know, interviews with the organization and then using those as assets when they're saying, hey, come and work for us, listen to our CEO or our CMO. So I think it's really, there's a lot of change to digital now and it's working very well for some. Yeah, you're, you're totally right. The engagement piece is so important where, um, you know, a prospective person wanting to join a company, a prospective investor, they need to feel that engagement. They need to feel connected. They need to feel that this is someone I can work for. This is someone that I would enjoy working for. I can see a long-term future there. So those sorts of things where they engage with the audience outside. Traditionally, um, you know, you would have you would have done that face-to-face, wouldn't you? Yeah. Yep, or an, an event or a, a CPHI or, an event or, or a corporate conference or something like that. You know, over the past 18 months, it's shown us that we can't always do that face to face. And, you know, challenges of COVID and all that sort of thing means that we can do it in other ways. And it will still have that significant impact. It needs to have the follow up as well. Um, but I think, you know, I, for instance, have um, 
I've done almost, as you have, Tom, no doubt, you've done predominantly all of your recruitment from either your office or your home for a lot of the time. And not just in the UK, I've done it in the States and I've done it all across Europe over these past 18 months. And, you know, touch wood, that's gone really well. Um, it would have been great to have some more face-to-face interaction and all, all of that, but it, it is what it is. But I, th- I think, you know, as, as we evolve and I think as the recruitment and talent industry evolves, we're seeing that there's no traditional way of doing it. Yeah. We're yeah, now we're, seeing that, you know, yeah, we have to adapt. We have to, you have to evolve. If you don't, you get left behind. Like with every, like with every business. So with every sector, with every industry, with every, uh, every role that you do, you need to make yourself, you know, for instance, you look at new techniques about video interviewing and um, being able to present. Um, and, and I think sometimes companies miss a trick when they go through a four, five, six, seven stage process. I never quite understood that. I do understand the complexities of trying to meet everyone, but sometimes it, for, for, this is my personal opinion, of course, it's overkill. Yes. Yeah. It's and overkill. I, I think, you know, it's a really interesting, you know, topic that you're talking about now, because, you know, how do you stand out in this busy market? And I actually think a lot of it is to do with candidate experience. Um, because, you know, I've said this before, but, you know, the bad news about, um, you know, uh, an interview process travels much faster than good news. So, you know, how how much time do you have to dedicate on kind of re-educating your hiring stakeholders about candidate experience? It's it's a great point. And and it's something I'm really passionate about is the candidate experience. And it's bandied about a lot by, you know, uh, TA people and, and all of that stuff. But I'm really passionate about it because, if you've had a bad candidate experience, and I have personally as well, you know it fills you with dread. It fills you with a sense of, I can't work with these guys. I wouldn't want to work with these guys. They, they're not giving me the confidence that I feel I, I need. And I think education is important. If you want to, want to use that phrase, education, it's I've, I've sat down with many a CEO and, uh, you know, uh, head of, uh, sorry, uh, you know, the, the hiring managers, and I've said, Guys, I think we're making this too complex. You're making this harder than it can be. Um, you know, this stage process, that's separate, having to meet this. And why can't we, you know, accelerate that perhaps a little bit? Maybe put two or three people together instead of another meet and another meet and another meet. You find that that process goes on for a long time. Um, and you must understand that um, a, a lot of clients are under the impression they're going to wait for you. Yeah. Yep. A lot of clients are under the impression, this candidate's ours, don't worry about it. We've got him or her, you know, we, we, we've got them just where we need them and, you know, we can make the decision when, when we choose. And that's not the case at all. If you're a good candidate of, in this sort of marketplace, you know this yourself, Tom, by talking to candidates a lot, is that they will have opportunities elsewhere. And based upon the, the personal experience that they have, they will choose this is taking too long for me. You know, I've got um, I've got other things on the table where the, where there's an offer, where I can see that there's a future. These guys are going on and on and on and on. When's the end? You've yeah. got to think of the perception. You have to look at that perception of of how you come across to how you come across. 
it's, it's just plain and simple as, as that. Yeah, I think sometimes it could even be like a little bit of a opening the door into what the business is actually like. So if the candidate experience is poor or the interviews are very, um, you know, nobody seems to be able to make a decision or it's too slow, it's yeah. too cumbersome, um, will that actually be what your role is like? And that yeah. is one of the dynamics that I think we're, we're, we're really trying to help our customers on. Um, and it is that education piece. It's by saying, look, we know best practice, these companies are doing it really well. These companies aren't doing it so well. Let's try and help re-educate you. And this is the right kind of candidate experience. And, and that's a really good point you make is and, and never be afraid um, as, you know, someone who works in recruitment to, 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 to tell uh, clients, you know, is that I don't think you're getting this right. You know, um, this in our experience, we do this, 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 because most companies, you would hope that they would listen to um, an experienced recruiter, someone who's been doing it a while. They want to do it better. I always feel that companies want to do it. They don't want to feel that they're getting it wrong. They don't want to feel the perception that that. Why aren't people accepting our offers? Yeah. No one, no company wants that. What they want is a, a smooth, uh, efficient process where the feedback mutually both ways is, you know, it's, it's going to be acceptable. So never be afraid. I, I agree with you. It's, it, it is a little window into the, into the way of the mindset of a company. You know, sometimes it's circumstances. Sometimes I think to myself, you know, is it is it they're really overly cautious because of funding? Is it overly cautious because it's such an important role that you have to take your time? I totally understand that you you do have to take your time because if you make the wrong hire and appointment, it can be expensive. Yeah. It can also be costly, but time as well is, is something you can you can't get back from companies. So I do understand that you know you have to take your time, you have to ensure that you have the right caliber of person but i also think that if you know you know and go for it make the decision and go for it and go for it you know you, you've got experience i do say that sometimes you look at i, I sometimes sit with hiring managers I think to myself they've only got to that position through um promotion and they don't have much experience of, of, of hiring they're yeah. very senior people and the you know the level of experience they have of of, of asking the right questions of, of, of what what they should be asking appropriately and what they shouldn't. I've had to coach, you know, a number of hiring managers who are very senior over the years and, and just, you know, say, let me spend some time with you and let's work to it together. Uh, because often either they're embarrassed about it. Yeah. Or it's is, the is way it serious? have always been done and it's like a 20-year-old version of recruitment. That's exactly it. They're embarrassed about, you know, not being able to make those decisions concisely and clearly and not having that had that level of experience in recruitment. So, you know, I, I actually quite enjoy that process of being able to help coach, advise, um, you know, hiring managers how to make those decisions, give them the confidence. For me, it's always about giving those people the confidence to then put them in a better position. Yeah. A lot of it is about fear. A lot of it sometimes is about um, you know, what if I make the wrong decision here? Yeah. And what, on, is, what is my superior going to think of me? Yeah. And on that, as you said earlier, I think it depends on the company size, the funding, all of these kind of things, because yeah, I, myself and the company that, that I run, we've worked with some companies in that scale up mode that have made some decisions quite quickly that maybe weren't values aligned 
and we're going more on a technical competence rather than the values of the person, you know, and how they would mix with the rest of the business. And then all of a sudden, you know, 12 months down the line, they have brought somebody in that actually isn't the right makeup for the organization. And it can be quite challenging to then untangle that. So I think it all yeah. depends on size and scope of business. But, you know, what's your thoughts on on kind of interviewing people from a values perspective and, and staying true to that as well? Yeah, it's come up a lot, um, Tom, for me over the past year is a, a, a lot of companies have said, said to me, um, well, a, lot, a handful of companies have said to me, we do, we do hire on values, Bally. You know, we, they need to culturally fit with what we, um, what we believe in and what we are. And it's an interesting concept because I believe in it to uh, a large extent, but these values, Tom, sometimes aren't clearly defined. Yep. So if you're a startup, how are you really going to define your values to an individual if you've only been around nine months? Yeah. Six months. You Values take time to, to, to build. You can't overnight say, these are our values, and there's a list of seven things. They're on the wall. Yeah. Yeah. They're on the wall and all that sort of stuff. From my experience of, of, of working in companies where values have been worked on and they've got focus groups in and strategy groups to work on what's right, you need to involve everyone. Yeah. You know, it's not it's not decisions made at the very top. Um, it's decisions made by all of the people and you live and breathe those values. So I think, yeah, I I, I, I do see the the um, I do see the value, if you like, in hiring on on those sorts of uh, you know those traits. Yeah. You know, the, the traits that are important to a business. And it's usually, it, it's not always, but it's usually based upon mutual trust and respect. You know, if you work up in a, you work in a startup, there's not going to be many processes. You will be heavily involved in a lot of stuff. It won't just be your area. So you might be working, I don't know, longer hours than you would anticipate in a normal thing, but uh, in, in, a, in, a, in a company that's well-developed, like, like I said, a bigger pharma company, you, you just have a job there. There's 20 other people surrounding you. You do that job day in, day out. Whereas in a startup, it's, it can be a little, I won't use the word chaotic. It's, it's busy. It's, it's a different strand, lots of things happening very quickly. And thus by nature, I mean, for me, the, the best thing about it, what I've always enjoyed about working in a in a startup environment is the, the things happen quicker. Yeah. And you wear lots of different hats. I mean, even from a talent perspective, you know, you're probably helping with the strategy, you're educating on what kind of people, you know, companies can actually hire when you want to be doing that. You know, I think, yeah. I think for us, from the values piece, you know, speaking to that candidate market, we're also seeing a lot of this now being a two-way street. So yeah. it is a candidate-driven market. Pretty much every industry is right now. Um, but especially within life sciences, what we're seeing is the candidates are able to kind of digest um, information from the interviews and say, do you know what? I really like those people and I like what their mission is and I like their vision. I really believe in it. Potentially, it's going to be a very challenging and stretching role over the next few years, but that is what I'm interested in. Yeah. And then when sometimes people get it wrong, what we find is candidates saying technically the role sounds really good, but I just don't, I'm not really that bought in. And then that's yeah. a, that's a pretty challenging conversation. We then have to have with the client to say, look, the feedback is not great from a, 
you know, the, the, the candidate's not really bought in. And that's when the penny starts to drop and they go, okay, cool. We need to, to work on this a little bit more. Um, yeah. yeah. But, but I think the feedback piece is, is very interesting. From a talent acquisition standpoint, how do you guys manage it? Because I know it's not always easy to collate if you've got all of these roles going on, so many different hiring managers. For us, it's the biggest frustration, you know, from a candidate perspective, that the feedback just isn't either you know, um, in depth enough or it doesn't exist at all. So, so how do you try and overcome that? It's it's the biggest, one of the biggest challenges, I think, for organizations and people within talent with so much happening, with so many applications, um, but there's no excuse. There is no excuse for people that, that get to the latter. If you face-to-face interview someone, I have always made it my uh, goal to give written feedback to all of those people that go through the interview process. So I will take my time to write up all of their answers and and it'll take me 45 minutes probably for each individual candidate. I will then write that up, successful or unsuccessful, and I will then send it to the candidate post-interview. And one of the reasons I do that, I know everyone doesn't do that, but, but I do that and I know other people do that, is because for me it shows that we we care. Yeah, I care that you've taken the time to apply, whether that you have done that, um, you know, yourself, or whether you have done that through you know a company like yourself. But you've spent two hours, three hours in a couple of meetings with us. The least that I can do for you is tell you where we thought you did really well, yep. and perhaps areas where you can develop. And so many people over the years have said, Bally, I've, I've never received anything like this. Um, you know, I really appreciate it. Um, and a couple of times, well, what I've really, what's made me happy, if you like, what I've really enjoyed is, you know, presenting feedback to a candidate. Let's say they, for whatever reason, they just didn't quite meet the benchmark on this occasion. Um, maybe, and uh, you've given feedback to say that they lacked experience, maybe in this area, come back in another year or something along those lines. I know it's happened within sort of junior scientist roles for me. And then a year later, I've seen an, that application from that candidate and they've had another year's experience. Yep. And we've re-interviewed and they've got the job. Yeah, perfect. So for me, that shows a couple of things that shows application from the candidate to go out and look at the feedback that's been presented to them and say, do you know what? You know, I probably could do with another year's experience. I want to go and show these guys. Yeah. Not just us. I'm going to, you know, improve myself um, and maybe, you know, apply elsewhere or whatever. Get that under their belt. And they've, and they've had the um, ability and, and it, bravery. I'd call it bravery as well to go back again and say, I'd like to apply again. I think, you know, I've got the relevant experience now. I've got, I'm a year wiser, there's a year under my belt. I can, I've been in this environment. I'm comfortable. Um, I have more exposure. Yep. And I've practically done those things that was that you wanted me to do. So I get a, a great sense of enjoyment from that. It might feel like, you know, it's a, it's a trite thing to say, but I think I'll, I'll take the little wins, Tom, where you, you can say, I, I get a, a great deal of pleasure where people have done that and come back and improve themselves. Um, and but it's human. 
that that for me is the human element of HR, you know, or it's, you know, empathy. As you said earlier, you've been through some bad processes yourself as a candidate. You know yeah. how that feels. Yeah. And I think yeah. sometimes with, you know, there is lots of uh, time consuming elements to any part of talent acquisition. Um, but I think you've absolutely nailed it from a feedback perspective. If you can just give somebody what they want or need, positive or negative, it will help them develop. Plus, I think the ripple effect from good candidate experience, even if they don't get the job for that 12 months, or you know, if, even if they don't go back as an applicant, they will still have a positive um, thought process about the company that you're working with. Yeah, and I think that's important. I think that you know, regardless of if they were successful or unsuccessful, I want I want that candidate to go away and say, okay, and you know, perhaps on this occasion I didn't get the role, but you know, if they were to talk about it with their friends or colleagues, or you know, uh, about the experience that they had, they said, I really enjoyed talking to the company. I really enjoyed the process. It's a great company. I, I that feedback is important to me because, um, like you said, I, I think. It takes a long time to build up company reputation, company, um, you know, exposure out there. And, you know, a couple of incidents where the company hasn't really uh, covered itself in glory can really hinder the whole attraction process, the whole talent process, the whole recruitment process. So I think those things you have to be wary of as a company. And, and I think more and more companies are, are being aware of their their brand, their, their being aware of how they're being perceived outside, inside, on the, you know, uh, on social media, on forums, you know, Glassdoor and all these other places and where, where people can write. Um, it's an open forum, Tom, isn't it? People yeah. can write whatever they want uh, about a company and you, you, you either have to prove or disprove that. So I think the only thing that you can do as a company is do your best to ensure that whatever experience they have is you feel it to be a positive one. Yeah, I find those glass door type um, analogies quite interesting. Nobody goes, I've had a great day at work. Before I go, I'm going to go on glass door and just say how good it was. And I think that's the same with um, negative feedback from a candidate experience standpoint, because people will be more open within their kind of uh, confidence or their smaller network that they can talk to in say life sciences. And they'll say, oh yeah, I interviewed there and it was absolutely terrible. I mean, I wouldn't bother, you know, or we then speak to to some candidates as a, as a group and they'll say, oh, that company, now I've heard negative things about how they interview people. And then it's for us to say, actually, no, let, let us explain. This is what we're doing with talent acquisition. We are almost like the extension of your voice to try and close some of those gaps. And that's where I see you guys have been very important. I always see the partnership uh, approach that, you know, working with people like yourself, Tom, um, as really bringing you in to the conversation, you know, showing you what, what, what our plan and projections are like for recruitment um, and being able to understand because, you know, what, however much you, much more you understand about us as a business and me as an individual or some of the hiring managers, you'll get to know us better. Yes. You know, we're all, like, like you said here, Tom, we're all human. No one's, no one's trying to put up a, a front, hopefully, and no one's trying to show you something different. What we're trying to show you is, is what we are about as a company. Uh, we want the best people and we want you to find the best people. So um, I think those are important things. And, and I think hopefully most TA people understand that, you know, 
the partnership approach with, with guys like yourself is really important because you are an extension of what we do. Yeah. I've always been open um, when when uh, when working with, with yourself and, and other people, Tom, is to is to say, you know, I, I, I did like the fact that you said I was honest and open. I hope I hope that's not a bad trait. Is that um, you know this is what we this is what we're trying to achieve. This is what we do. This is how we're going to do it. No one's perfect, and, yeah. and, and I don't pretend for any uh, second any recruitment process is ideal or perfect. You try and do the best that you can within the confines of that organization. Like you said, if it's a startup, they will have teething problems. That's just the way it is. But with a bit of education, a bit of persuasion, with the right people in the right room, at the same time, you can make things smoother, make that transition quicker. I think with the more you do things, it gets better. But no company no company should think that they can't improve on things. Yeah. Even if they've been doing a process for years. And we speak the same language. You know, I think from a from a talent or recruiting perspective, I think sometimes hiring stakeholders have a different, you know, uh, philosophy on, okay, I have this VP of quality position that I need uh, filled by the end of next week. You're like, okay, cool. It's going to take yeah. a certain amount of time. Yeah. You know, we look at the concept of 100 hours per search. So we work at the executive level, you know, low volume, yeah. high complexity searches. And we think that it's, it's taking 100 hours from assessment, qualification, sourcing, attraction, all of those kind of things, interview process, candidate experience, offer negotiation close. You know, sometimes if we're working with some uh, TA folk that are working on, I don't know, 20 live vacancies at any one time on their own, you know, the 100 hours times 20 is just unfathomable. Yeah. And plus, that's only now, you know, there's more roles coming and coming and coming. So we we try to, you know, embed ourselves in that, talent strategy as much as we can but it is all about openness clarity communication that is i feel the best way that um ta can work with suppliers yeah i agree with you 100 tom i think you know we, we, within the realms of sort of confidentiality and all the rest of it there 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 are there will be certain things that obviously you can't disclose just just the way the nature of the company and and maybe their strategy and all the rest of it but if we can give you as much information as we can that will make your job easier to help us why why wouldn't you do that yeah. in in the in in the form of collaboration and being able to help us it just makes my job easier makes your job easier and i think um i think that the, the collaboration piece is, is really important you can see that when you talk to candidates you can see that with them um, uh you know with the experience and, and being able to get people through quicker and and how they feel how, how you make someone feel is important. You know, pe people sometimes, sadly, you become a commodity with this, with so many applicants, so many opportunities, so many different things going on. You never want to become a commodity. You never want to just be another person that you've ignored. It's a small industry. It's a small world. Those, those things can come back and bite you. So you just have to be careful that whoever you come into contact with, whoever you treat is, is a prospective person who can you're going to work with again is you're going to come in contact with again they will have an opinion of you that's important that opinion you hope is the best that it can be yeah and i think kind of reading between the lines here it's peer-to-peer it's -peer communication 
internally, externally, you know, as long as you, uh, you know, have that kind of honesty, the trust element needs to be built, but that is the way that we could build partnerships here. So obviously we've spoken about external suppliers. I'm interested in your thoughts though, on, on the internal team, right? And yeah. what, what could the perfect in-house uh, talent team look like for one of those scale-up organizations? Yeah, I, I looked at that earlier and, and, I, and I'll try to write down a few things about that. So for me, Tom, it's about um, where, where, where it's worked well for me, Tom, is where I believe there's a good mix of individuals. So I would never go with people that always look and think the same. Yeah, okay. And I'll, I'll explain what, what I mean by that. I've often gone into organizations and they've really promoted themselves as this might be a bit controversial so so brace yourself uh you know as being really diverse and you know uh, being able to cater to everyone and then and you go into the organization and and no one looks like me yep and uh, you know, or, or they all look very um, similar. For me, I think what, what, what I guess what I'm trying to say is that you need to have a diverse workforce of people who look, think, maybe sound differently, come from a different background. This is an ideal scenario, by the way, Tom. I, I worked in organisations where where there have been 23 different nationalities, 30 different languages. It's been incredible. Yeah, I'm, I know you're talking just about talent, but I'm talking about the organization that gives you so much more breadth, depth, different thinking, different culturally, the way people interact with each other is amazing. Yeah, I found that the best company, the best companies to work for. They cater to everyone. They're inclusive and all that stuff nowadays is, is really important because you know, you might not think much of it, but when, you know, applicants look at people's websites and look at people in, you know, stock photos and all that sort of stuff, if they can't see a representation of someone that looks similar to themselves, yeah. it might switch them off. Yeah. It might switch them off. So it's just something to, to be aware of. Um, so I think those, you know, those, those things are important. I think companies are working hard. Yep. Companies are working hard to address those um, disparities in maybe uh, sex, gender, ethnicity, and all that sort of stuff. So trying to get a more diverse workforce, it will really improve the way your organization is perceived outside. Yeah. Is, is my, my experience of it. So I think you know, to answer your question, Tom, directly about what does a great, perfect talent team look like? I would say a mixture of enthusiasm, youth, and experience. So I would go for, you know, people who might be relatively new to the industry, um, but have that passion, desire and drive to improve, Yep. to ask questions, to learn. And, you know, people like me have been around a long time uh, who can maybe teach them because there was there, there was a one point where I learned from someone else. Yeah. You know, I, I, I learned from a guy who'd been around 18 or 20 years. I never did it like him, but I used to watch the way he used to do stuff and, and, if you like cherry pick yeah cherry pick the best stuff from him but then do it the way i could i couldn't be like him but do it the way i could do do it the way i could bring my personality across bring 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 my perception of what the role was the company was 
um, and bring my enthusiasm to that, you know, interview, to that chat, whatever. So I think it, I, in an ideal world, Tom, if you could find a good mix of, you know, age and experience and, you know, if, if, if your team was big enough, you know, a mixture of, of uh, male and female as well, that's that's fantastic. You know, you, you've, you, it, if you're telling me what's the magic ingredient, a, a bit of everything. Yeah. Rather a than carbon copies, you copies the base. same. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because what 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 then happens, Tom? A lot of companies hire in their own image. Yep. A lot of TA people hire in their own image. Must be like me. Thinks like me. Got to be have ten years experience in gene therapy. You don't need to think like you. You don't need to have ten years experience in gene therapy. How are you going to learn? How are you going to gain that experience with within that sector? You need someone to maybe give you that chance, give you that break. I sometimes see it on LinkedIn where, where people say, I've got all of this experience. They just need a break. Someone needs to give them a break. Yeah. Um, and you can see how passionate, and for me, passion and drive are really important. I believe that they will take you a long way. Enthusiasm, enjoy it. Enjoy yep. what you do. It's, it's, you know, it's, a, it's a great job. It's a great industry to be part of. It's, you know, I've had the, the best time ever um, working within uh, talent and, and recruitment, some of the you know the most amazing experiences have been really enjoyable. Yes, it's hard work at times. We all know that's difficult um, to, to find really good people. It's it's not you don't click your fingers and it doesn't happen like that. You not, know that yourself, Tom, right? Yeah, exactly. Not that the hiring stakeholders always think the same. <laughs> yeah, sad, sadly, they, their expectation you need you need to manage them as well. Um, but enjoy it. You know, if you can enjoy it and learn. I think you'll become a better version of yourself. And um, I sound like a bit of a life coach here, but uh, I really think that those things are important about being able to enjoy it as well. Yeah, because I, th- I I feel that a role in talent is life-changing because it's not only life-changing for you because you have this opportunity to speak with so many fantastic people across lots of different skill sets that are working for, in this purpose-led industry, but you are also changing their lives. So by bringing somebody into an organisation that maybe it could be a step up or maybe it could be into a new new area or it could be the role that they were promised at a former organization and hit a glass ceiling whatever it might be you get that opportunity to open the door and be be life-changing for somebody i think it's fantastic. change their life change their life for the better yeah yeah absolutely so on the, on the team aspect do you think that there is some kind of aspect of um maybe job segregation of an in-house team What's your thoughts on, you know, dividing roles like scheduling or, you know, talent sourcing, client engagement? How are you seeing that develop at the moment? Yeah, I see I see teams do that. I see yeah. teams that, you know, say you, you will uh, you will only do this part of the job or we feel that you are better doing this job. Um, but I also see teams giving individuals exposure to a bit of everything yeah you sometimes let people uh, empower them give them a bit of responsibility because you just never know what people are capable of yeah or, or even you know what people are capable of and you want them to demonstrate it yeah and, I, and i've seen that over the years where we where i've given people a chance and i'm seeing them flourish and it's it's really it's really um, satisfying to see that Perfect. Because I think the um, yeah the 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 whole team dynamic is is a an interesting one. Some of the 
life sciences companies we work with have got thousands of people in recruitment you know loads within talent acquisition might be working mm. with an rpo or something and others are you know as i said earlier hiring anywhere between 30 and 60 people on their own in, in one go with no budget so you know the, yeah. the, the time constraints and the challenges are varyingly mass are varying massively but they're all after the same people so yeah. that's a that's a really interesting you know change that i've seen at the moment um is as you're talking about earlier how can you position yourself in the right way candidate experience is important get the right in-house team work with your suppliers in the right way you've kind of created the perfect talent ecosystem there yeah i i think you know i i think there's so many things that companies can do to even if they're little improvements tom yep that can make them the one percenters the five percenters or whatever that just make them recruit better make them perceive better give them the extra bit of advantage that you spoke about earlier just make them stand out a little bit um, because the competition is so incredibly great, Tom, not only for attraction of talents and, can, um, and candidates, which is the main issue that we're talking about, is that the explosion of companies that are all trying to do similar or same things and the investment that people are making from, you know, uh, venture capitalist companies is you have to be, you have to do something unique. You have to have a, a strategy to be able to just elevate yourself a little bit yeah and that's what i was going to ask actually from a from a future perspective um you know how do you think talent acquisition might change over the next five years yeah i think it's ever evolving tom i think where we are today is so different perhaps where it was five years previously yeah technology yeah. i think will only play a greater part than it's probably playing now um I would hope that we would get to a place where um, the, the thing is you you could, I don't want the, the thing to be automated to an extent where the human element is taken out altogether. I think that would be, um, personally, I think that would be a bad thing because you, you should never take away the human element. We, you're dealing with humans. So having a conversation and talking to a human is what people want most of the time. They don't want to be sieved through a, an applicant tracking system with a dear John no. Taleo email. Agree. Yeah. You know, would you, I saw something actually on LinkedIn the other day that was saying, would you rather be rejected by a robot or by a human? But I think, you know, throughout this entire conversation so far, I can really tell the passion that you have for the human element of this process. I think, you know, five years ago, they they probably said that recruitment was going to be overtaken by the technology. I, I think it will definitely improve. But now I, I personally feel, same as you, that the human element has to stay and perhaps be even more important in that assessment piece. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, I, you, 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 cannot, you cannot stop the growth of technology. That's just the way of the world. And I think it really helps uh, improve, uh, streamline, processes all of that stuff and uh, you know be, being able to give you pipelines and all the rest of it but the the human interaction never forget how important those interactions are because you'll always remember them rather than uh, the uh, you know the technology being being put through a process via technology who really remembers that yeah, all that automated email was fantastic. I must, you know, I must yeah, recommend exactly. that to everybody. Yeah, 
yeah, yeah oh, it was the best automated email I ever got. What, what you're going to remember is the interaction with, with guys like yourself, with me and hiring managers, you know, when you've been successful and your first day and your induction and, you know, going for lunch and all of that stuff, which is part of I see that all part of that process. It doesn't stop. Recruitment doesn't stop when you, um, when you start on the first day. No. You yeah. have to keep them challenged. You have to keep them motivated because you have to show them that, you know, we, we value, want to develop you. So that process is, is, is ongoing, I think. Yeah, I mean, I don't even think that we're in the recruitment game anymore. I think we're in the retention game. You know, how are you going to yeah. keep the best talent is actually by hiring them and then onboarding them in the yeah. right way and keeping them, you know, um, engaged, enthused and as ambassadors of your business. Um, okay. So, I mean, this has been absolutely fantastic. I think your clear passion, purpose, empathy, human element is is fantastic to hear. Um, could you give just the listeners a little bit of insight into, I don't know, some of the companies that you've helped and, and how you've helped them? Uh, you mean sort of the clients I've worked with? Yeah. Yeah. Or types of organizations that, that you've, especially over the last couple of years. Yeah, so over the last couple of years, so I've, I've worked predominantly, um, as I mentioned earlier, within sort of small startup biotechs uh, within the gene therapy and CAR-T uh, space. Um, and, you know, it's been really enjoyable watching companies flourish, watching companies grow from 25 to 50, 50 to 100, 100 to 200, whatever, whatever that process is, and watching them explode, watching them hire massively, watching the influx of talent being talent attracts talent yep so you know when someone great comes into a company um it's quite swiftly followed by someone great it's 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 like a domino effect and it's hard to keep the standard up but you I always maintain that i always think my standards are high i always want to feel like i'm bringing the best i'm giving my best i'm showcasing the best people to the organization that's available at our disposal and you have to look at constraints you know are we paying the most you have to look at salary benchmarking are we industry standard are we lower are we higher are we, all of those sorts of things you have to take into account but i've i guess where you said where i've helped i think i've helped by implementing processes putting processes in place being able to go in quickly and um you know identify where there might be some areas that need improving yeah making things more efficient and ultimately going in and you know being being able to find the best talent i always always think that you know um if i can you know once i've finished a project or once i've worked with a company if they if they can go away and say that you know once they've had that experience with recruitment and they look around them they're surrounded by people who've joined since I've been there and they say, look, what's, look what, what, what has happened over this past 18 months or whatever. And they can see just the level of individuals that have come in and be, it's, it's more about the difference and the impact those people are going to make Tom. That what really excites me is that I know that person is going to go in as a CTO yep. or a, as, as the head of business development, they're going to be doing some serious deals and they are going to be making some serious. I'm no scientist, but you know, I know for a fact that you know, having had some you know uh, experience myself with it, with it, with health issues this year, is they're incredible people and being able to work in this industry. That's why I'm passionate about it and being able to 
recruit people who are going to make a difference to people's lives is really important. Um, and those people are, they're superheroes, Tom. You know, we, we talk about, you know, the NHS and all these people. They, they are, of course, superheroes. But without people like scientists and, and companies who produce vaccines um, for mRNA and, and uh, you know, within a COVID vaccine environment, for instance, like BioNTech and Pfizer and all these sorts of guys, they would, you know, we would be in a worse place. So I think being able to uh, get the chance, it's always a privilege to me, is yep. to work with these guys, um, really tap into their knowledge and, and learn from them as well. Just learn, learn about what how they do and what, what they do is, is really incredible and inspiring. Yeah, and I, I, I feel that, you know, talent acquisition sometimes get a, gets a bit of a tough time um, internally, externally, but I feel that they are an enabler to make the mission happen. You know, and especially within life sciences and the purpose of the, this this industry, as you said earlier, you know, it is astounding that we're part of this and it is down to the people that are in those organizations that can make it happen, get more access, different ways of manufacturing, the scientists within within the space. You know, I, I do think that TA bringing those people into the uh, organizations are, are really helping drive the mission and the vision. But Bali, it's been absolutely fantastic i really enjoyed it i think um you know it's it's clear to to hear for all of the listeners that your your passion for people your empathetic view and the the human nature of of the way that you communicate and um the clarity around you know how you've done things has been really great i've really enjoyed today's conversation um look for any listeners that want to get in touch um how can they get hold of you what's the 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 best kind of channels to to reach you on uh, but by the way, I just want to say exactly the same. So I really enjoyed the conversation, and, and um, thanks very much for, for 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 letting me have this opportunity. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm to, to get in contact with me. I'm I'm on LinkedIn um, most of the time, if not all of the time. So contact me via LinkedIn or or my email address, which is uh, um, my, my my website, Pinnacle Talent, as well. Perfect. Yep. So we'll send this round. Um, but absolutely fantastic. Thanks again for spending the time today. We really enjoyed it. It's a pleasure, Tom. Thank you very much. Cheers. Cheers, okay. Cool. Bally, perfect. Happy with that? Yeah, did you enjoy it? Yeah, I did, mate. Yeah, thanks very much. It was really, really good questions, by the way. Oh, thank really you. Really good questions. I put a bit of prep into it. I've done a few of these, you see, where the yeah. questions are pretty loose. Um, yeah. And then I'm also kind of writing things down to stay on track. But I thought... No, you were... it was excellent. I really enjoyed it. I hope it flowed all right. Yes, it did. Yeah. And, and you know, you came nicely the the thing about the questions that i've got you're kind of taking them into the next sections oh cool was that was good. by chance and yeah that yeah yeah so then it was like oh candidate experience oh <laughs> back oh this so it's really cool. good and i would say yeah you've got i would do more of these if i were you okay if you can because your content is good your answers are really good from a as i said the human the empathy standpoint all of that kind of stuff it yeah. will it will bring people towards you. Um, cool. And yeah, I just really enjoyed it. You know, I think that um, we'll be able to create loads That's of- That's good to hear. That's really good to hear. And I, I enjoyed it myself. It was, it was a great, it was a great chat. And I'd love to do something more like this, Tom. I think, uh, I think it gives us both exposure. And, and I think what you spoke about was really eloquent. And um, and I, I did think about some of the answers as well. Um, so it, it gave me a bit of thinking time as well about how I actually, sometimes you do these things without actually realizing how much thought goes into them so yeah and i, I, I did i've been put on the spot with some questions where i'm like 
you know, oh my God, yeah, exactly. now I'm going to answer. And then you're on here like, uh, <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, I exactly. So a little bit of so I, I hope, I hope, you know, we that's come across well and I'm, I really look forward to seeing it at some point. Yeah, cool. So what we're going to do, just so I can keep you in, in the loop, is we yeah. take all of the um, podcasts and, you know, we're, as I said, getting four or five lined up. We send them to the editors. <laughs> they then yeah. create all of the, the right material for us so does our marketing team and then what yeah. i'll do is i'll give you a date of when we're going to release it and then i'll also brilliant. give you some teaser stuff so that you could say yeah. oh in two weeks time i'm going to be on this oh brilliant man. i love that i could share it on my uh you know linkedin stuff and uh, um give myself a pat on the back so <laughs> yeah cool and the other thing is you know i'm i'm actually doing this course at the moment right where this yeah. is this is part of it so um you know it's the course that I'm doing is called Key Person of Influence. Um, and I'll send you something through about it. It's a book. It's like a little business book. But I think for yeah. um, I think for people like us, it's I think it'd be worth a read because, you know, you're out there growing your own kind of uh, client base. And this is about trying to yeah. bring, bring them to you a little bit. And the key, okay. pers- the key person of influence thing, you know, you could be quite easily the standout TA guy in selling gene therapy just by doing a couple of little things like podcasts or yeah. like different- and that, 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 that was that was my my reason behind <clears throat> excuse me accepting it i think um i you know the company i spoke to yesterday they want me to do a couple of days for them and one of the reasons they chose me is because of my background within selling gene therapy and the, the 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 company i'm working for now chose me for the same thing so i feel like i i'm a name I'm yes. not speaking myself up, but I'm a name in the, the challenging therapy just because of who I've worked for and what I've done. But I'd like to be a bit more um, uh, behind it with, with, with stuff like this. I think I should be doing more of these. And I think if I can get away with doing a few more, I will, mate. Yeah. And, you know, if you can micro niche into that space, you know, life sciences, yeah. talent acquisition, cell and gene, you know, you could easily do things like this. I mean, interviewing yeah. people in the cell and gene space with your own podcast is you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd love to, mate. I'd love to. I, I think, you know, um, I'll put some more thought around it and uh, maybe do something around that, yeah. Yeah, but I'll send you this link anyway to this this guy. I think it's just quite an interesting, you know, from a sales perspective for people like us, I think it's quite an interesting thing. Um, but then, cool. you know, feel free to ask any questions that you've got around how any of this works. But thank you very Brilliant. much. It was great. I will do, mate. Cheers, Tom. Thanks very much. Take care. Cheers. Bye.